Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Also taking emails, radio at agphd.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. All right, Brian, uh, it is Friday, and uh, and you're out of, out and about again. Uh, what are you What are you hearing from farmers, and what are you seeing out there uh, this week? Well, I've been spending uh, last few days in Illinois, Indiana, kind of uh, central Midwest, and you know it's just it, it's really up and down. And so we've talked about this a lot lately. crops up and down but here's the thing when crop prices are going up and there is some crop out there that does look good i just think it's really important that good well tell you what brian you got kind of a tough got a tough connection there um you know i'd agree with um with the up and down crop and and we're seeing that here too uh, just looking at uh, at our fields around our farm there's unplanted acres right across the road and right across the fence so it, it wasn't easy and yeah and some of our stuff got in a little bit late too so there's there's crop that looks really good and there's crop that's not going to be very good uh and i was just talking with one of the the neighbors here he said you know there's probably going to be a good amount of corn to end up chopping so what do you what do you do? You just kind of roll with those punches as, as you go. Uh, all right, Brian, we got you back. Yep, go ahead. Oh, and you know, I, I guess when we we think about getting ready for the Ag PhD field, that's what's been on the big, or that's been the big topic on my mind. And crops actually look pretty good at the field day site. You know, there's a couple things that you'll see that you'll say, oh, you know what? Uh, it wasn't easy, uh, and it's not perfect, but man, I'm really impressed with how some of the crop looks. Yeah, uh, I'm also super disappointed with how some of the crop. Well, it's behind. It's a little behind, but. (laughs) Yep. But anyway, I I just come back to let's really focus on the good crop that's out there. Try to make that as good as possible. And let's put behind us all the bad stuff that happened this spring and just do everything we can for this current crop right now, at least on the good acres. And so the, the hot topics right now are hey, are we going to have a bad white mold issue in soybeans? Are we going to have some sudden death syndrome showing up in soybeans? Are we going to have corn, uh, some of these leaf diseases, you know, gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf bite, blight, I mean, those show up just about every year in certain areas. But how about some of the other ones? Is it worth it to spray if you don't normally have a bad disease problem? And for all these things, I'm more worried than normal just because we've been wetter and cooler than normal. So the odds are we're going to have more disease issues. And then the other thing is, even like on our own farm, we've had more bugs showing up earlier. So we're, we're out spraying insecticide right now. And we don't normally spray insecticide this early. So I, I guess just the big thing is be scouting, be thinking, be using your head just a little bit, running the economics. And I'm not saying it works on every acre on fungicide and insecticide, but I am saying if you're not looking and you're not thinking about it, then I just don't think that's the right way to go either. We've got to really analyze that stuff. And I just know on our farm, a lot of these things are going to pay just because of the way the crop prices are. And I still I keep saying it every day, but I, I mean, since the USDA has no clue where we're at. Oh, and by the way, with a lot of the big companies, so I've been meeting with some of these great big uh, crop protection and seed companies. A lot of them don't know exactly where they're at either because not all the returns have come in, not all the, the 
the uh, invoices have been entered. I mean, everybody's kind of lost this year. And I just think when I drive around the country, when we talk to farmers from all over the place, the crop isn't there and crop prices are going up. So I'm more encouraged than in a normal year. You know, I've just had a conversation about an hour ago uh, with somebody thinking the same way you are, Brian, that, you know, I'm really going to be aggressive trying to manage what corn I have. And yeah, some of it doesn't look great, but the stuff that looks okay to excellent, I'm, I'm going all in on that because I think I've got a great profit opportunity. Yep, for sure. So, I, I mean, those are, those are probably the big things. And, you know, like I was saying, even when we're getting stuck to this day in certain fields, I mean, it just gives you an idea of how wet, things are when normally South Dakota is really dry country. I mean, we average 22 inches of total annual precip, including the snow. It's just crazy what we've had. We've we've had double normal precipitation for the last year and a half, double. So that is an enormous change. You think about the odds of that happening, it's really, really slim. This is a one in 50 year kind of deal. Well, there there are a lot of those kind of things that happen, and I guess you just have to roll with the punches, as you mentioned before. You've got to yep. use your head, use some common sense, and, and think about what you're doing. Now, for example, we've got fields where either the pre got on early or, or it just is running out of gas, and we've got some pretty big weed breaks coming in some of these fields and less options to go after them in soybeans. That's been a big topic. I was just chatting with, with one of our guys with Ag PhD, and he goes, man, have you noticed how many fields are brown around? Yeah, I have, because the option now is probably spray Cobra for most of these guys, and the weeds are trying to get. Well, you know, that's that's one of the reasons we're getting so many questions on Enlist and also Extend Flex. Well, and, and yeah, having Liberty, year, you bet. Right, we, we have that other option, because... If you're cut off by June 20th or June 30th to spring extend, I mean, that's not good enough. you got to be able to spray something later on Roundup-resistant weeds. Yeah, yeah, you got to give yourself as many options as you can. And uh, it's it's just one of those things where, yeah, I know it. We've got to look for these stacks. I, we've got some extend flex soybeans at the Egg PhD field day site, and that's one of the reasons because there's so much demand for these multiple stacks with more options for growers to use. All right, got about a half a minute left, Brian. Uh, anything else you wanted to throw in today? Uh, no, it, other than I guess I would just say, Stay positive if you're a farmer. It's been a tough year, but there are a lot of good things that are going to happen yet this year, and especially in the next two to three years. All right. Uh, It is Farmer Friday on our show today. We're going to take your calls and questions throughout the show. So if you want to talk about what's going on on your farm, you want to ask any agronomic questions or just give an update to what stuff looks like in your area, love to hear from you. 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact-Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact-Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact-Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact-Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. 
Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra Herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold. And Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra Herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your bean crop everything it needs to get the job done this season. Adding Agro Liquid Fertilizer to post-emerge spraying passes provides your soybeans with the nutrients needed when the plant reaches the reproductive stage. Foliar feeding soybeans can provide the end-season edge you need to economically and efficiently boost yield potential. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your soybeans. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Start off in Illinois. We've got Harry with us right now. Harry, how are things going for you? Well, we're just plugging right along. It's uh, (laughs) been an interesting year. Yeah, it sure has. Okay, so... Have you ever seen one like 2019 in your area? No, I haven't. I've been farming since I got out of the service in 72, and uh, there's been some unusual years, but this is really the most unusual one I've come across. Yeah, it, it's been a it's been a struggle, and I know when we look back at our records on our farm, whenever we had a year that was anywhere close to this, and this this is definitely the extreme one, but when we had when we had tough years, it seemed like invariably the next year we had great crops, and that gave us some hope. Are are you going into some of these unplanted acres with cover crops, or did you get everything in the ground? Uh, we've got. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of everything planted. Some wow. of it's uh, pretty small, but uh, uh, it's all it's all planted. All various sizes. Been side dressing corn and and uh, got some that I'm going through that's a little pretty good size, about ready to tassel, and then there'll be some that'll be three or four feet shorter, right in the same row. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got some corn all over the board too. And in fact, uh, yeah. And some in the same field where one part of the field went in considerably later than the other one. But, um, I guess we'll see how that all plays out. What, do, what does soybeans look like in your area? We've got some that are still really short, but it's amazing to me this last week, they've really picked up and, and are starting to look pretty decent. They've kind of come out of their ugly stage and, uh, are starting to Looks like they might actually actually produce a crop. Uh, the they extended the the uh, window for uh, applying dicamba to the beans, and so that's over on Monday here in Illinois. And uh, so a lot, most all the herbicides I think that are going to get on are about are about gotten on on all the beans. 
and they're yeah. starting to grow. Yeah, what a what a blessing to have a little more time to get some stuff done because we certainly needed it this year. Uh, I, I know you do a lot of grid soil sampling, and and you've really been working hard on the fertility things on your farm, Harry. Are, are you doing any tissue sampling this year to to see what things are like out there? Or has it just been so much of a battle trying to get stuff in that you haven't had time? Uh, we just really haven't had time. Uh, we did a lot of grid sampling. Uh, We've done a lot of grid sampling and a lot of tissue testing in the last couple of years, and uh, I've about worn the hair off my head trying to figure out what it all meant. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it could, uh, it could be information overload, that's for sure. Uh, but I think, you know, I think we are starting to realize that we need to supplement Mother Nature and not not try to do an end run around her, that she's really got the best system out there and... Uh, if we can help her do some of these things and uh, looking at your tissue tests and doing grid sampling and and uh, maybe not doing quite as much recreational tillage and allowing the soil to get healthier, it has kind of healed a lot of uh, a lot of evils I think out uh, in the fields. And yeah. you can kind of see that this spring; those fields that uh, hadn't been abused as far as the soil structure is concerned were. Uh, they went in better, they dried out quicker, and they look better, have looked better all year long. And Wait. the ones that were kind of bruised up just just have never really recovered. You know, you talk about that, Harry, and, and you mentioned you've been farming 47 years now. You've seen a few things over the years. And it's it's kind of neat, though, when you get into it a long ways, uh, you've got some pretty good judgment out there, and you've got some pretty good wisdom that you built up. So I appreciate you sharing those thoughts. I, I, I think this year is going to be one of those years, too, that if we pay attention, we can learn a lot of lessons that will help us going forward. I'll be telling my grandkids about this when I'm sitting in a rocking chair on the porch, I guess. I remember the, <laughs> yep. the summer of 19. Yeah, you just have to maybe watch watch your language just a little bit while you're doing it, Harry, because yeah. I'm sure not all the words would be good for this one. Uh, but we really no. appreciate uh, appreciate you calling in, and uh, and man, congratulations getting as much crop in as you did. I know it wasn't easy, and uh, uh, that's that's something that needs to be recognized. Well, sometimes uh, you'll take luck over skill any time, and <laughs> a good Lord just just shone down on it this time, and uh, we've been very blessed. You bet. Well, thanks, Harry. Really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the growing season. Thank you. Let's head down to Mississippi. we got Dean with us right now. Uh, Dean, what's happening down there? Yes, sir. Um, we're just sitting here looking over a cornfield that's just tasseled out real good. Yeah. It's, it's hot as the blazes. I believe it's, it. It's nice. It is nice. Excellent. Well, okay, so I've been hearing some things about uh, southern rust and other issues starting to pop up in corn down your way. Are you seeing anything yet? Is everything still clean on the plants, or are you guys looking at a fungicide app soon? Well, that was that was definitely something that I've been we've been working with. Um, seen a little southern rust actually pop up here two weeks ago. Field Scout seen some. He wanted to wait on on the uh, fungicide application. I didn't really. So I've seen this. We've got this hurricane coming in here now. So we argued about it and and met right in the middle and put our fungicide out the day he left. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I hope we're not too early. 
to lose that fall protection, but I I just got kind of worried about it, and so we went ahead and did it. I don't know. What do you say? Well, I think I would do it too if uh, if I had some southern rust getting started. That's one that can really pull yield away, and if if uh, we we uh, know we need some protection, we got to get it out there. I personally think you're going to be spraying again. Now, I don't say that in a bad way, like you made a mistake, but just the year that you're going to get here with with this hurricane and everything else, and just the the wind damage, okay. heavy rains, those kinds of things that generally come with it. Uh, you know, hopefully you avoid the the worst of things. But even so, there's going to be a lot of disease moving around that area for sure. So if it was oh, yeah. me, I'd be putting down the calendar and saying, all right, uh, I sprayed a corn fungicide a, a week and a half ago. Uh, another week and a half or so, I'm probably going to be back in doing it again. Exactly. So how late on uh, – so how close to brown silk do you need to worry about it? Or at, is there – at what stage do I need to say, well – the corn is done. It's not worth spraying anymore. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I, I'm looking a little further on than that. So yeah, if you, if you've got brown silks, um, you know, that that's okay. Your R1 would be silking. And then, uh, as those silks get pollinated, they'll start turning brown. So you're still at R2, R3 when you're seeing brown silks out there. And I I'm absolutely spraying again. You got a lot of time left and you think about how much time that crop still has and all the test weight and, uh, just filling out those kernels towards the end of the year. Uh, I'm looking at probably some nutrients even with, uh, um, application that you'll make next. For me, I'd be looking at probably a little bit of nitrogen and definitely a little bit of boron in there, but you could pull plant tissue tests just to see for sure. But that, that would be in my in my wheelhouse would be those things plus the, the fungicide that you use and possibly insecticide if you needed it. Now, that's the cheapest part of this whole thing. I mean, it's only a couple of bucks at most, but if you had some aphids or you had some beetles or anything that was, was out there, maybe the hurricane will just suck all those guys out to sea. That would be just fine with me. Uh, don't count on it. Don't worry. We haven't got that lucky in the past. No, I do have some. I do have some corn that's not quite tasseled yet. I've I've got corn that was planted April the first, and I've got corn that was planted May the twenty eighth. Okay, that's how how strung out I am. So I know this late this later stuff. They say twenty seven days of coverage on the fungicide. So we're going to be turning around and coming back in. Like, from what you're saying. We're going to be turning back around within 20 to 25 days and going again. Yeah, I, I would say, right, that's exactly the window I'd be timing. And then I, I would be looking at something that's got an SDHI in it. So uh, it could be like a Trivapro type of product, or or we had really good luck last year using some Preaxor, and then we were mixing in some Fordix with it, and we were getting three modes of action between the two products. But uh, it seems that's like the SDHI has had did. some good, good long-lasting power. Absolutely. I like it pretty excellent. Then I put it in furrow, and then we flew it over the top also. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that sounds oh, like yeah. a good program. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dean, we're up yeah. against a commercial. Can you hang on just one second, and we'll, we'll talk just yep. a little more after this break. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. 
Featuring Extendamax herbicide with Vapor Grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one-pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more. Increase your productivity with Hypro's dual React control system. The dual nozzle body design allows you to drive at the speed you want while maintaining the rate and droplet size you need. Hypro, helping you spray better. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better, built stronger, lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic herbicides from Atticus LLC. Tough broadleaf weeds are a hassle, but they're no match for Cavallo from Atticus. Cavallo delivers fast, contact, and residual control so your corn, soybean, and sorghum crops can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call in and join the discussion with an agronomic question or just an update on what's going on in your farm, we'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-442-4743. That's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head back down to Mississippi. We were talking to Dean just before the break about hurricanes and fungicide. And, man, you got a lot of stress right now, Dean, and you got crop that's uh, all over the board. So you said you had some late-planted stuff. What stage is that at? Uh, It's just fixing to throw a tassel. I actually seen just a few pop this morning. So that's kind of where we're at. It will be. It should be tasseled out, I would think, within two or three days. It should be fully tasseled. Yep. So... And then I've got some that's already milk lines already coming down. So. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, We're awesome. Have a combine in that within, I would say, within four weeks for sure. Depends on this rain a bit. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, so, what's uh, do you have any other questions, or you want to give us an update on any other yeah. crops you got? I was gonna. So I've got a little bit of a situation here. We're in this black prairie dirt, 
and uh, very, very heavy soil. And my calcium levels on a uh, soil test are just out the roof. Yep. And and yet my pHs are almost perfect. Anywhere from well, they're some of them. I've got a few areas would be five eight would be my lowest up to you know seven oh six eight to seven oh and so how does a guy manage calcium like that in a and not mess your pHs up? <laughs> oh yeah, such easy questions, Dean. Come on. <laughs> no, we've got the same problems in some fields. We got some super high calcium. Now are you talking parts per million high or are you talking base saturation percentage high? Well, base saturation percentage high. I, okay. I wish I had my soil test with me. I, I didn't think of this until. Yeah. Yeah. Are you 80% plus, 90% plus? What are we looking at? Do you have an idea? It seemed to me like I seen some like 113. Let's see. It was. You know what? I might just ask you if you get if you get a chance when you're home, maybe email us a soil test and we can take a look at that. Absolutely, I'd, I'd love to open that conversation back up because typically what we're targeting when we look at a, a base saturation, you're going to have uh, calcium, magnesium, hydrogen, um, sodium, and uh, when we we start looking at all these nutrients together, oh, and potassium, and when we look at all these nutrients together, they're going to add up to a hundred percent. And if we've got okay. calcium in the, we we'd like it to be in the sixty-five to seventy-two range if we could be really picky. But if if we get it over eighty, that's where we start to see ooh, calcium is going to probably limit some uptake on phosphorus and other nutrients. And then we're trying to to adjust that a little bit to get it down to uh, no more than eighty. Uh, by getting our magnesium built up and getting our potassium built up. So a lot of guys are using K-Mag when they've got super high calcium to try to get available magnesium and available potassium. So that would be just, yeah. and there's lots of products out there, but that would be uh, just one example. Oh, well, yeah, I've, I've used K-Mag in the past. I, I like it as far as its availability and everything, easy to spread. And yeah, well, absolutely. So, is there? So, we get we're dabbling in this cover crop thing. Is there a cover crop that we can plant to uh, offset that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I guess that's a great question, and it varies depending on where you're at in the country. And I am no expert on on Mississippi agriculture. I've been there a number of times, been in fields uh, every time that I've been in Mississippi. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what takes the the heat like you guys get. I mean, we think we get hot up here, and it's nothing. I I went down to I spent a week at Mississippi State with my son, and uh, he was really into entomology, and so we went catching bugs in swamps and forests and. Uh, grasslands and everything else in mississippi in the middle of july which is, oh. is warm it's warm <laughs> so that was an yeah. experience for us uh so i don't know what does really well in your area but uh up in our part of the world you know we get a lot of guys uh for for cover crop that are putting out uh you know cereal rye some will use oats i don't know that oats would do great for you but um and then a lot of guys are mixing in you know some of the uh, turnips and radishes and those kinds of things too. Oh. But, uh, but I guess you could see what, what guys have been using in your area. I, I think it's good to keep something growing out there, but man, if I was in Mississippi, I'd be thinking about another crop that I can make money off of. Well, the wheat thing is we get too much rain for wheat. Yep. That's the, that's the only problem with that. I, I did, I planted everything to black oats and tillage radishes and a uh, hairy veg last fall. 
and uh, it, it got way entirely too big and delayed our planting dates a little bit. But I was just wondering, you know, is there any certain plant that we can do, plant that can can uh, help us manage our calcium levels? Yeah, I don't know about extracting more calcium out. Um, that's a that's a good way to look at it as to what can I extract out. What we've done with our soils where we're way excessive on either calcium or magnesium is just try to build the other one up. So rather than, okay. than trying to get the calcium out of the soil, I, I just looked at it as, well, we just need more magnesium and more potassium in the soil. So we just added more exactly. of those things. And the magnesium, I guess there's a lot of different sources out there. I, I know I've talked to some folks that have said they've gone with dolomitic lime. And you say, wait a second, that's got calcium too. But the magnesium ratio is so high in it that might possibly work for you. Uh, that I suggested uh, KMAG just because, hey, it's just magnesium and calcium. So, or I'm sorry, magnesium and potassium. So you could just build up the two things you want without any of the negatives. Um, that that'd be my thought. But I, I would like to see a soil test before I get too deep because maybe it's not as bad as you think. Maybe uh, things are closer than than you'd like. We've we've got a lot of that heavy clay dirt too, and uh, we've got some ideas. Exactly. Absolutely. Huh? I'll, I'll sure send something in. Sure will. That'd be great. That'd be great, Dean. Well, hey, good luck. Uh, good luck around the hurricane. I know uh, you you got a lot of work to do with that, and there's generally a lot of challenges that come with that. But uh, but hopefully everything turns out good for you and your family. Yeah, I think we're just going to get a lot of rain. We can handle that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would be not so bad. Awesome. Well, thanks exactly. a lot, Dean. Really appreciate the call. All right. Thanks a lot. You bet. See ya. Uh, we've got Travis with us right now in Nebraska. Travis, how how are things looking around you? Oh, hot. Slow warm today. Not too, too terrible. Uh, corns and beans actually progressing pretty well compared to for what we had to go through this spring to get them in the ground. Uh, it's pretty well a challenge. I didn't think we were ever going to get done planting. Oh, no kidding. I didn't think these soybeans would ever turn anything but yellow, too. Uh, they're really greening up nice. Oh. And they just sat there and sat there and sat there. Took weeks to the ground. After we planted them, we got uh, about two weeks of rainy, cold weather, and I thought for sure we'd be going back and replanting them. But they hung strong and come through, but. And they looked tough for a long time. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that planting date really helped uh, with anything. Because, you know, our earliest planted stuff here, by the time we got back in, which ended up being uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, we we hardly accumulated any growing degree days anyway. So it didn't it didn't seem sure. to amount to anything. But you never know that when you're putting, putting things in the ground. Right. You know, a lot of this right. uneven well, corn out there, we've been digging around in a number of fields and man you can tell every path where somebody drove and it's oh what we're seeing too we, we were a 36 year old corn planter and you know that mainframe that thing is super heavy the light on our heavy ground but uh every place that thing turned around on the end rows or you backed around something or, or i mean it, that corn's stunted same way with the sprayer, you know, on each side of the sprayer tracks, the corn's probably four inches short. Uh, yep. 
Yep. We're seeing so, that we're seeing that all over. We've we've all made those mistakes this year, unfortunately. But that was the only way we got some of this crap in in some of these states. Yeah, we went to you know, we pushed pretty hard trying to get we had over ten thousand acres to try to get in the ground and uh, we got pretty much most of it in. We had a few quarters that we couldn't get into because they were just like you just as well put fish up there and stopped it to go fishing this summer because it, it, there's no way we were going to get in there. So You know, we've got some of those too that uh, is amazing that we got into those fields, but now we can't get back in with the sprayer to try and clean them up. So I don't know if you would have been better off having those fields planted anyway. Uh, hey, Travis, we're up against a commercial break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Using NSERVE nitrogen stabilizer with fall fertilizer applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERVE delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERVE is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday, and we're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're just talking to Travis down in Nebraska, and we were just talking a little bit about the uneven corn and just what a big deal compaction made this year and, and uh, just the challenge he had had with running some big equipment out there. He had a lot of weight, for sure. Uh, just over the break, I was chatting with him just a little bit more. He wasn't able to hang on here till after, but... Uh, he said they tried a little bit of cultivation out there, trying to open up that ground a little bit and let some oxygen in. So it'll be kind of curious. He said, you know, we'll see when uh, harvest time comes around if that if that actually paid or if it made a difference. But I'm betting it probably will. All right, let's head down to Kentucky. We got Matt with us right now. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Well, we're doing well. How how are the crops in Kentucky? Brian's driving just a little ways north of you, I think, across uh, Illinois and Indiana. I don't know if he's going to dip down into Kentucky on this trip or not, but maybe you can save him the time and just give him the update. Uh, well, it just depends on where you're at. Uh, pretty well everywhere, uh, we've had an excessive amount of rainfall this year. Uh, got a lot of crops that are, you know, in your flat areas or low areas. You've got corn that's a foot, foot and a half shorter and yellow where it's been under so much water stress. Sure. Um, we've, we've got some fields in river bottoms that the water just, two or three feet of water just got off of them, so there's no crops there. Uh, we've got a lot of guys that are, I don't know if they'll replant or not, really. I've heard of a few that are replanting and a few that are not, not even going to try. So that's, Yeah, that's, uh, that's no fun. A lot of water, yeah, a lot of water stress this year for beans and corn both in our area. Uh, a lot of later crops, too. It's... It, uh, it rained about every time it got dry all spring, so it took us a few weeks longer to get things planted this time around. How did so, the how did the pre-emerge herbicides go this year? I know a lot of guys had challenges getting them on, including our farm. And uh, the other thing that we've we've been hearing now is some of those pre's broke a little sooner than guys were expecting. We didn't have crop as big as we'd like, so we ended up doing some some more spray and post. Have, have you guys gotten in that situation? Uh. A little bit. We have been over top of everything post one time. Um, we have actually switched to a, uh, a program, I guess, where we put our residual chemical down right behind the planter the same day with the sprayer. Oh, awesome. Uh, instead, of, instead of mixing it in with our burn down, we've, we've learned in the past sometimes your burn down goes on anywhere from three to five weeks before your crop gets planted. Uh, so that's helped us out a lot, waiting, holding off on that residual uh, part of the chemicals to right behind the planter, usually the same day. Um, now there are some guys in our area that are not doing that, and they've had quite a bit of weeds. You know, a lot of weed breakouts. I've seen several patches of water hemp, big weed, uh, and a lot of a lot of grass problems this year too. Uh, especially around your edges of your fields. Yeah, I'd say the same thing as as I've traveled a little bit too more in the the central and northern part of the U.S. I'd say a lot of the same things that, that you said there. I'd, I'd echo the uh, the endros are, are kind of a true test as to uh, what were conditions like when you're out there and and how did it go? Because man, I I know we had to go around a couple of our fields too where let's just make a pass around the outside. The ends, edges look really terrible, but uh, but what do you do? You just got to roll with it. Yeah, we did throw both corn and soybeans on our whole farm. We, uh, As the inrows kind of started to break out with weeds, we went around them and then waited about a week to two weeks to come back over top with our whole field application, uh, just trying to 
hold that, you know, complete field coverage or whatever off as late as possible and as close to canopy as possible. Oh, I and love that. that, I love that. Pretty, works well. Works well. Uh, that that and holding the residual chemical off as long as we can to right behind the planter. Those two two things have really helped us keep our fields a lot cleaner this last few years. Yeah, I love those strategies. That's uh, that's a good way to do it, and and surely on a year like this, it 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 pays off well. Hey, one other thing I was thinking about, I know a lot of guys further south from us are talking about insects. Have you had big insect issues this year? Are stink bugs and Japanese beetles worse than normal? Uh, at least for us, I wouldn't say they're worse than normal for the most part. I haven't seen a, a lot of feeding other than we had a couple fields that we planted some cover crop wheat on for erosion prevention. And uh, when we got to the to spray the uh, roundup over top of the beans, uh, we saw that there was quite a bit of feeding in those fields, so we mixed in a pyrethroid insecticide and uh, have gone back and checked since, and all the new growth just doesn't have any sign of feeding on it, so I think that helped us on that. Just the fields behind cover crops is where the big issue is in our area, it seems like. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, for us, a lot of it's no-till ground and, and cover crop ground. You're right. That's There's so many positives with those practices that there's bound to be a couple negatives, and one has been you've had a little bit more insect pressure there. But like you say, you can just add in a pyrethroid and, and for the most part, wipe those out. Uh, one one other thing I was thinking about, too, as, as we're chatting here today, do you do plant tissue analysis on your farm? Are you watching nutrients through the season, or, or are you managing mainly with soil tests? Uh, well, we do both. Um, I haven't taken any tissue samples this year so far, uh, to be honest, but uh, some years I do, some I don't. Um, we do the soil test as well, grid tests and all that, with the soil test pro. Okay. Uh, and that that's working well for our variable rate. But like I said, we uh, I haven't done any tissue yet. I may try to on our beans pretty soon. The corn's pretty well too tall to get over at this point. Uh, at least for us, but yeah, it's uh, been. We may get out there in the beans and just check and see if they're stressed for anything, any micros or whatever. Sure, sure, yeah, it's been quite the year, no doubt about it. It's been I, I just uh, as we were talking here uh, uh, during the show today, I, I noticed over the the break we'd gotten some tissue sample results back, and that's what got me thinking about that. And I'm I'm just antsy as soon as the show's over to see see what we got cooking out there in the fields. We were out doing some uh, micronutrient applications in in soybeans too so we'll see if that's that's going to be the right decision or not i guess we'll we we do it weekly so next week i'll be able to tell you if if that actually made it into the plant and and uh, we're happy or if it it didn't and we think we might have wasted our money okay well that'll be good to find out <laughs> like i say that's one thing we haven't got into too much uh, a little bit here and there just trying it but not something we're doing on a widespread basis or anything so Yep. Uh, it'd be, be interesting to find out. You bet. you bet. Well, hey, Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate talking to you, and, and good luck to everybody down in Kentucky. I know you've had a lot of water to deal with, but hopefully uh, things turn out a little bit better the next uh, next go-around here. Yeah, all right. Thank you. See you. You bet. Thanks. Yeah, the, the excess water thing has been 
wow, what a what a challenge this year. And I, I mentioned we were out doing some spraying, and we, we just got some tissue test results back. I, I, everybody wants to talk about NP and K, and right now I'm trying to figure out calcium and magnesium a little bit more because uh, we've got high levels of both in our soils, and we should be in good shape, but my tissue test levels keep telling me I'm low in magnesium in my sunflowers, and that that's one that I'm trying to figure out because, of course, that's uh, the center of the chlorophyll molecule, so... I know I need to get more of that into my crop. All right, uh, Alex, let's head to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! Got a question from Gary, and he said, we're going to be flying in in a small plane to to your Ag PhD field day. I'm wondering, where are the best places to fly nearby? Do you have shuttle services uh, from different airplanes and so forth? Hey, Gary, thank you. We really appreciate that that you're interested in coming to our field day, and we'd love to love to have you come. Probably the best place to fly into, and there, there's several airports around, but uh, the main airport in Sioux Falls is only 10 miles from our farm, and they've got great services there and uh, fuel and everything else you may need. So that's probably what I would suggest. Uh, I know there's rental cars right there. I don't know at this point that we've got a shuttle service lined up, but uh, that would be be something to uh, to look at if we get a number of guys that are coming in that way. But um, yeah, I would I would encourage you if you look at the um, website and pre-register for our field day, uh, you can maybe make a note in there that that you're flying in and just wondering who else is. Uh, also, uh, I think there's Lyft in town where you could just grab a Lyft and and head this direction as well. Uh, thanks for the question and, and hope to see you here just in a couple of weeks. That's, uh, wow, coming up right around the corner here, July 25th. So it's the last Thursday in July, the Ag PhD Field Day. You can find all the details at agphd.com. We'll get right back to more of your calls and questions on Farmer Friday right after this. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit battleweeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your corn everything it needs to get the job done this season. At Side Dress, adding agro liquid nutrients to your nitrogen can economically and efficiently boost potential. It's not too late to supply the nitrogen, potassium, sulfur, and boron your corn needs to reach top yields. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your corn. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com. Foliar sprays are only effective if you can get applied product into the plant. Nutex EDA is a micronutrient-based additive that delivers the foliar absorption boost you've been looking for. Nutex EDA supports rapid penetration and translocation of both nutrients and systemic crop protection within plants. Research trials have shown a 10 to 20% increase in nutrient absorption and higher tissue levels for a longer period, resulting in higher yields. Use Nutex EDA this season with all your foliar applications. No one has to explain stress to a farmer. That's like explaining wind shear to a pilot. Now, Mother Nature stresses corn the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Headline Amp Fungicide, you'll see the difference. 
It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your corn can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Headline Amp Fungicide and BASF Plant Health. Always read and follow label directions. What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold. And Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. That means we're taking your calls and questions throughout the entire show. Our phone lines are open at 844-442-4743. That's 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. All right, Brian, are you ready for a couple questions? Yep, go ahead. All right, this one's from Vaughn, and we've gotten quite a few questions about Japanese beetles. Vaughn says, I'm in western Ohio, and I had actually talked to you a few weeks ago on another question. Um, I noticed that I've got Japanese beetle pressure in beans and sunflowers. Uh, What's the most effective treatment that would provide a residual instead of just knocking down the guys that are there currently? Well, you're going to get a little bit of residual, but let's not forget, at this time of year, the crop is growing a lot. And your, your insecticide you're going to spray, whether that's uh, chlorpyrifos or Lorsban, whether it's one of the pyrethroids, I mean, whatever you use, it's not going to last very long, number one. But number two, even if it did last quite a while, it's not going to move to the upper leaves and the new growth. So as new leaves come out, they're unprotected. And I guess I wouldn't get all that worried about it. You just have to do the best you can. Unfortunately, there is no answer to say, oh, there's something I can spray, and it'll give me insect residual season long. We just don't have that type of product. No, we sure don't. Uh, A lot of guys uh, will just go out and knock them down. They're big bugs. They're going to fly in from a ways off and just keep scouting. You may have to be back out there again in a couple weeks. It's funny that we get that question today because yesterday I was standing in central Indiana, uh, right next to a field, and I felt something on my shoulder, and I just hit it, and sure enough, Japanese beetle. And I'm like, you doggone thing. It's, there are just so many of them around anymore. And I was talking to some, some farmers about this yesterday, and I said, you know, I was surprised that it, yeah, on our farm, even way up in South Dakota, we're getting some Japanese beetles. We've got a whole bunch of stink bugs now. We've got bugs that we just haven't typically had in the past, and now we've got them. Yeah, a lot of unusual bugs this year, and also some different weeds showing up. I had a question come in from Connie, and she said, I am now a desperate wife with lots of weeds. We've talked to several people. No one knows what this weed is in our cornfield, and she sent me a picture uh, of marsh elder. You're looking at marsh elder. 
so that's one that's going to be real similar to uh, volunteer sunflowers or or yep. uh, cockleburr even would be similar. So in cornfields, and it looks like your corn's fairly short there, uh, you could get that with uh, any of the HPPD killers uh, like uh, – Callisto, Lotus, Impact, Armazon, those types of products. I'd mix a half pound of atrazine with it if your rotation allows. Uh, your corn looks like it's shorter than 12 inches, but of course you can only do that uh, up to about 12 inch tall corn. So that's what I would do. Uh, they they aren't terrible to pull. Uh, you could do that as well. They've got a, a smooth stem on them. Uh, you could... Uh, you probably won't have a big issue with those going forward. The pre's are not highly effective on them, uh, but right now that's what I would do: spray one of the HPPDs, hopefully with a little bit of of atrazine as well. Thanks for the question, Connie. Uh, we get back to the phone lines here. We've got Delmer with us in Kansas. Delmer, how's it going? It's nice and sunshiny today. A lot of humidity. Yes, that's for sure. That's for sure. All right, we're talking about unusual bugs. It sounds like you've got some unusual bugs in your soybeans. What's going on? You know, well, there's, I guess it's a webworm that's, that's turning, uh, eating the leaves off of them and turning them white. Okay, and are you seeing it kind of cocoon up where it rolls leaves up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, what I think what I believe you're seeing is thistle caterpillar, and we've got a lot of them uh, in Nebraska and surrounding states. They're an insect that is an infrequent pest. We generally see them on our farm. What would you say, Brian? Once every ten years. Yeah, something like that. And we, we're doing a pretty nice job controlling them with pyrethroid insecticides. They're just a defoliator. They're not. Uh, not injecting anything into the plant. So it's just we're losing leaf tissue. And the thresholds for them will be relatively high. But the challenge we're seeing, and Brian was just talking about here a minute ago, we're also seeing some Japanese beetles come in and some stink bugs and others, uh, and even some bean leaf beetles, which you may be seeing in your area too. So we're, we're going out there with just a couple bucks worth of uh, generic pyrethroid, and, and we're having really good luck killing them. Yeah, we've only had one year where we had a lot of farmers in our region spraying thistle caterpillar for thistle caterpillar. Now, this year we've seen quite a few again, but we haven't really reached threshold level on just that bug. But to Darren's point, if you go out there and you see that bug and quite a bit of it, yeah, you might want to want to spray. But also, if you're seeing some of these other harmful bugs, um, you know, just do it, have it over with, because you're talking $2 worth of insecticide. The, the, the co-op recommended uh, leverage. Thing. Yeah, we're not we're not big fans of that product because leverage is one that has a neonic uh, insecticide in it. So one of the ingredients in there, Delmer, is one that uh, the government's looking at really close because they've had issues with bee kills. And what happens with uh, one of the ingredients in that product is the, it doesn't kill bees right away. And if we've got, especially now, we've got soybeans flowering, uh, so we may see some bees out in the fields or other pollinators. They can carry that back to the hive and actually kill the whole hive. So we, we would prefer not to use that. We would use something like a Mustang Max or Warrior or Serpent or Silencer, one of the just straight pyrethroid. So that's what I would ask them for is, look, I want a straight pyrethroid that doesn't cost so much money because leverage is going to cost you more money too. Yeah, it's kind of expensive, right? Yeah, I, I for okay. sure wouldn't do that. If you're spending more than two bucks or maybe three bucks, that's it. Uh, yeah, twice that. 
Okay, thank you much. You bet. Thanks a lot, Delmer. Really appreciate that. Yeah, we're seeing uh, a lot of bugs in in uh, different areas around the country. That's that's been a challenge. Got one from Roger here, and kind of on the same lines of a question. He said. Uh, I've heard you guys talk about putting insecticide in uh, with your sprayer pass and only spending a buck or so. My dealer wants to charge me four bucks an acre. What product can I use that will only cost me one dollar an acre? And should I be throwing it in every time I'm spraying? Go ahead, Brian. Well, one dollar is awfully inexpensive. I mean, that would be a cut rate. And there are certain insects you can get by with, we'll call it the half rate of cheap pyrethroids. But when it's only an extra dollar to go to the full rate, why take the chance? Plus, for most insects, you need the full rate anyway. So that's typically what we recommend. But we absolutely do not recommend spraying when you don't have insects or you don't know if you have insects. We always recommend, first, scout the field. If you have harmful insects, then, yeah, go ahead and spray but we're always talking about threshold levels. We want to see economic threshold levels, and they are quite low today because, well, they are for us because we, are, we have high yields that we're going after, and we have what I believe is going to be 25% higher crop prices within the next six months here. So because of that, that lowers my threshold. And we always need to look at these things agronomically, certainly, but we got to look at the bottom line. We have to look at the economics every single time, and the economics right now, Look pretty darn good. All right. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that, Roger. Uh, got one from Kevin, and this one's kind of interesting. He said, I'm thinking about going out there with a weed wiper over my Extend soybean, so it's too late for me to be spraying broadcast sprays on my field. What I'm thinking about doing is this. I'm thinking about running a weed wiper, and I'm wondering what products and rates you would recommend. I've got giant ragweed and mare's tail. And I want, I've never done this before. Here is what I was thinking of doing. Putting in 3.75 gallons of PowerMax, Roundup PowerMax, 3.75 gallons of Ingenia, one gallon of Liberate, which is a crop oil and NIS type product, and then fill the rest of a 25-gallon tank with water. So I've got, let's see, what that be, seven and a half, eight gallon, eight and a half gallons out of a 25-gallon yeah. tank. So pretty so that's concentrated. A two to stuff. One, yeah, that's a two to one ratio. That's the that's the strongest or let's say the weakest I would ever recommend. I usually would say a one to one, maybe two to one if you want, but one to one I feel very confident you're gonna get a kill. So I think you get you're putting too much water in with it. But otherwise I don't really have any big issue with, with what you're talking about. We used to do that with just straight roundup and that worked great, but the problem is we got roundup resistant weeds today. Yeah, he's in central Ohio. And I'm not sure how the label is with Ingenia. Is there any restriction on that if you're just using it in a weed wiper versus a broadcast spray? Oh, I think I lost Brian there. That'd be the only thing, too, just to, to make sure that you're not doing anything that's totally off-label. But, yeah, I agree with you. I, I like the weed wiper idea. That's the best thing you can do. And then generally what guys are doing is going one way across the field, turning around, making the same pass, coming the other way. So you wipe up and down both sides of those weeds. Hey, good luck to you, Kevin, and thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Thanks to everybody for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now, stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.